Hi, and welcome to the I Believe Your Abuse podcast, where we talk all things narcissistic abuse, focusing mostly on those who are or have been in an intimate relationship with a narcissist. I'm your host, Brandy Fuller Anderson. Before we get started, just know that narcissists can be both male and female, married or single, straight or gay, rich or poor. My stories are about my ex-narcissist, who is a he, so that's how I tell my story, and it helps me to remain consistent. But please insert your own pronoun to make it fit your story. If you have any questions about what I mean when I say narcissist, go back and give a listen to episode 1 or even episode 2, where I explain this in more detail. Did you guys know that we have a lot of resources for you on our website at ibelieveyourabuse.com? There are resources including support groups, meetings, and professionals that specialize in narcissistic abuse and in treating narcissistic abuse victims, and you can search by country or state if you're in the U.S. I'm constantly adding to this list. It's a work in progress, so if you have a lead on a therapist qualified to work with narcissistic abuse victims, reach out and let us know by email, or if you know of a support group in your area. Please send in a message to us and let us know so I can update it on the list. There's no reason for this to be such an isolating experience. We need to be here to support each other, and support groups are so helpful to many people that are without a proper support system. If you feel like you went to bed with Prince Charming one night and suddenly woke up to the world's worst emotional acid trip, I have totally been there. Do you wonder how you got here? Think, what did I miss? Why did he choose me? When did things change? Is there a way out? Will I recover? How did I not see this coming? Why me? If you are here because you are now searching for answers and a way out of the torment you are experiencing, you may have started at the beginning with this first question. Why did I fall for it? You might have learned a lot of new terms by this point, such as love bombing, devaluing, trauma bonds, but what does it all mean? What's wrong with me, right? Why did I fall for it? Let's start with what is often referred to as the love bombing phase. Many people refer to it in this way because it expresses how quickly and intensely this rush of emotions is thrown at you. I think another great name for this phase of the relationship when you first meet a narcissist is the bait and switch phase. When you first met, your narc was likely on his best behavior. In fact, behavior so good, it's probably never repeated again. Because it would be so exhausting and difficult to keep up, to keep up a ruse like that. You were excited about this new possibility, and the narc was probably pretty excited too. Remember, narcissists are the least self-aware people on the planet. They do not have introspect and seem unable to reflect on past experiences, so it's possible 
they're unaware in the moment of excitement that this relationship is already doomed. Not to worry, though, because they're going to realize it way before you are, and they're not going to clue you in. So, during this exchange of new and exciting passion, flirting, the great stories that he may have to tell, which will turn out to be false, or at least not ones that belong to him, his willingness to accept anything you have to share and praise all of your good qualities or accomplishments. He brags about your strengths and compliments your good qualities. He seems so intrigued by you and everything that you have going on in your life. He may have just that right amount of neediness, so you feel useful and purposeful. He seems so grateful and appreciative of all the things you buy him and all the things you do for him, so you want to continue to do it, even if you have to sacrifice in order to do so. All of these good feelings are quickly dragging you right into the fabricated fairy tale romance that you have waited your whole life for. It's moving fast, but when you know, you know, right? In fact, it's moving so fast, you don't really have a lot of time to stop and really soak up what's happening, or even ask yourself, what's the rush? All you know is it feels so deep and so addicting and so powerful that it must be love. And you believe you are in love. You know what they say, though? If it's too good to be true, it probably is. And you soon realize perfection cannot stay perfect indefinitely, as your perfect fairy tale starts to crumble, just a little. You might start to see some glimpses of your narc partner that are less than ideal, but you attribute this to the experience of all new relationships. After all, you have to get to know each other's quirks and bad qualities. But you're in love and are willing to accept him for all his flaws, right? So you overlook these first glimpses that don't really seem to match up with that person he first showed you he was. See, what's really happening is that while the fun and excitement of flirtation and something new really draws a narc in, the narc is just not equipped to handle things when they become a little more serious or down to earth. And life cannot be fun and games all the time. Narcissists cannot shoulder the burden of any responsibility, so they prefer situations, experiences, and crowds that are more based around having fun, a, a lighter atmosphere, or with superficial acquaintances. When you want to get down to reality, they inherently want to dismiss it. And because of this, you will eventually say or do something that will trigger a shame response in your narc partner. There's no way to prevent it. It's inevitable. Remember that narcissists developed their personality disorder as a defense against feelings of shame. Their main goal is to maintain their self-esteem, although they're not really self-aware enough to consciously understand this. The moment you trigger this response in them, and again, it's absolutely going to happen and it cannot be avoided, 
they will feel the need to immediately unload those feelings of shame. And they do so by projecting them back onto you, deflecting them, lying about them, or any other number of disgusting strategies. Now, a lot of other things are happening simultaneously that are changing the course of your relationship. Remember when you first met and your narc partner was admiring all of your finest qualities, praising all of your accomplishments, and beaming about how wonderful you are? As the newness of it all fades away, the narcissist becomes more and more aware of the fact that everything that makes you great makes him feel less than. If you recall, narcissists do not see people in healthy, realistic ways, mixed with both good and bad qualities. They see all people, including themselves, as either all good or all bad. And this isn't a one-time thing. It can change often, without warning. If you are so great, then you must be better than him, which makes him feel like nothing, completely worthless, and this just won't do at all. As with all ego-damaging information, the narcissist must quickly get rid of it, and one way he can accomplish this is to start to devalue you. By taking you down a peg, he reminds himself that you aren't so great anyway, and certainly not above him in any way. While this is happening, the narc has brought into his conscious awareness the fact that you are not so great and have some flaws. Remember, once you have flaws, you're pretty much worthless. So he may then convince himself that he can do better. He may begin his search for someone else, although you will not be made aware of this, and most often this is happening throughout the course of any relationship they have. As he devalues you and reminds himself that you're not so great, he justifies this behavior toward you, because if you're not so great, what could be wrong with telling you this, or treating you poorly, especially if it makes him feel better about him? Now remember, you're noticing some flaws too, and you're attributing them to having to get used to the flaws in your partner. You are, as expected, trying to be understanding. As you are devalued and your flaws, invented or real, are being pointed out to you, you're constantly making adjustments to your attitude or your behavior as not to irritate your new mate. This is the sacrifice couples make when learning to grow together, right? Depending on how observant you are, you may or may not realize that you're the only one making adjustments. And it's probably much too soon for you to also realize that the goalposts are constantly changing. They're continuously being moved. So there's no one adjustment that will prevent further clashes with your new love. The emotional and intellectual inconsistencies happening are the start to your trauma bond. The ups and downs keep you constantly on edge never really knowing where you stand or which way is up, and it seemingly comes out of nowhere and happens too quickly to allow time to reflect 
assess or question. After your partner's angry behaviors start to appear, you may even be conditioned not to question at all for fear of the reaction that it will elicit. You may spend a good deal of time searching your brain for reasons that you're setting off your new bow, but you're still feeling the giddiness of those good moments, those first few moments that created a whole amazing future in your daydreams, and those times when your narc is pleased or getting his way and therefore able to mirror loving feelings back at you, rather than spending his time devaluing you. You fall so deeply in love with these good moments, no matter how fake they might be. They were what you always wanted to hear or feel, and you cannot let that go. Why would you want to let that go? When those moments become more and more scarce, and the true narc shows his face more and more, you become more and more desperate to find those moments. There's a lot of stuff happening in your mind at this point as you try to make sense of what's happening. You may question your own sanity. Are you imagining these things? Since so many of the narc's tactics lead to gaslighting, it's normal for you to question your own reality. You may wonder if it's something you're doing wrong, or if you're the bad person. And even if you're the one doing the abusing, You want to know that you aren't crazy, that you did meet this wonderful person and things were amazing between you. You didn't imagine it. It may be too painful to accept the reality of the abuse happening and hope for the future and memories of the past may help to alleviate that pain a little. Your self-esteem has been damaged and you may be wondering if you deserve what's happening. The tactics used by the narcissist are effective for so many reasons. They hit hard and fast, isolate you from the truth, move too fast to offer time for reflection, and intermix bad behaviors from good behaviors so you live in a constant state of angst. As your narc continues to fight against having to acknowledge real life, he learns an important thing. The more he devalues you and treats you badly, the more you put up with it and make adjustments to try to make him happy. What two things does this accomplish? First, the narc realizes that there's not much he can't get away with, so he starts to worry very little about controlling his reactions in front of you. Secondly, he realizes a person who would put up with such behaviors must have real issues and is therefore deserving of whatever bad behavior he throws in your direction. This delusion is how he justifies it to himself, how he justifies his abuse and therefore never has to feel the guilt of treating someone so poorly. So while you're busy making adjustments to make things work, searching your soul for 
What could be wrong with you that you apparently lack value or are difficult to be around? And trying to bring back that amazing Prince Charming that you first brought home? Your narc partner has learned the most important thing of all, your true value to him. Do you know what that value is? It's not that you're a main supply. You're not a main supply. You may offer some supply to the narc with money or a place to live, availability of sex, adoration. But what he has realized is that your value is your willingness to accept his projections and unwanted feelings. You have become the place he dumps all that crap he doesn't want to deal with. Narcs can't handle the burden of anything unpleasant and must unload it. As you can imagine, it's not easy to find someone willing to be this dumping ground. So when they accidentally stumble upon one while navigating these early relationship stages, they will grab onto it. This plays a role in the many breakups and returns in your future. Some of the hoovering after the relationship even. The times that he claims to not like you but then begs you to take him back. Truth be told, he probably doesn't like you. But unlike you, the narc needs you. Because it's so difficult to find someone who will be the dump. And it's so necessary to their self-esteem that they have a place to dump the negative emotions, doses of reality, and shame that they don't want to carry around with them. Meanwhile, you continue to feel loved, hated, loved, hated, worthless, meaningful, stupid, intelligent, weak, strong, confident, unsure, attractive, hideous, happy, sad, loved, hated. Strengthening that trauma bond that will be so hard to break and so hard to recover from. So why did you fall for it? Because these emotional inconsistencies are forming a trauma bond. And it will take you a moment to put your finger on these emotional inconsistencies. Therefore, the trauma bond was formed long before you realized something was really very wrong in this relationship. And trauma bonds are so strong that even if you have the mental capacity to understand that your situation is detrimental, it will take much strength and time to break through the bond. Trauma bonds won't fade away on their own. The trauma bond isn't an emotion like love or jealousy that can dissipate if you just let enough time pass. If you ignore it, it will remain. And if you stay in this situation, it will grow stronger. There are biological components involved in the process of forming this bond, much like that which a drug addict goes through, with fluctuations in dopamine and cortisol caused by the constant highs and lows. Since it likely started forming way before you realized something was wrong, 
It was well built up in your system when you noticed. So much so that your body and your mind begin to think of it as the new normal. The intensity of the cycle is simultaneously harming so many aspects of your mind, body, and soul and making you feel an addicting rush of excitement. Many victims don't realize it until the good moments of their partnership are so fleeting. They are mostly experiencing an ongoing abuse cycle and cannot figure out why they can't easily walk away. This makes them question what's wrong with them and it further deteriorates their self-worth. They feel pathetic, even embarrassed. And this embarrassment is why they maybe won't immediately reach out for help once they realize they're in a bad situation. Also, why instead they often cover for the bad behaviors of their narc partner. They know that they're bad behaviors and that it's shameful to be putting up with them and they think it's something inherently wrong with them, the reason they can't easily walk away, confirming the self-fulfilling prophecy they've now created due to their diminished self-esteem. It might be solidifying the false idea they have that they deserve what's happening and are damaged, as well as the narc's delusion that they are damaged and worthy of their maltreatment, and in fact, below them on the hierarchy giving them a justification for their actions towards their partner. Do you see the momentum this cycle is gaining? It's a rapidly growing monster, and once you realize it, you're already trapped with no obvious way out. Lies and charms and falsities might have sucked you in, but the trauma bond kept you there. You were devalued, isolated from the truth, and left floundering in a pool of confusion, addiction, and hope. This is how you fell for it. So can you break free? Break the bond? How do you save yourself? Of course you can. Just listen to all the stories of survivors everywhere who thought they would never be free, but have now lived to tell about it. You just have to know where to start. You have to examine the situation from a realistic perspective. You have to practice introspect and reflection, and you have to work on you. Write it down. Write everything down. Seek out a counselor experienced in treating survivors of narcissistic abuse. Or simply attend therapy with the goal of working on you, on strengthening your own self-esteem and strong boundaries in interpersonal relationships. Keep listening to others. Join a support group. Hear about everyone who was once in the place you are now. Accept that what they felt is just as strong as what you feel now. Know that your relationship is not special, nor is your partner the exception to the rule. The patterns are well recognizable across narcs for a reason. Reflect on what you love about your partner. As you might one day realize, 
You don't really like anything about him, let alone love him. In fact, you probably don't even know him since his core identity is so fragmented. You more than likely don't trust him. He probably doesn't have many, if any, positive attributes that you can confidently say are genuine and not feigned. After all, you don't know what's truth and what's not when it comes to the narc. He may occasionally say words to you that make you feel good, but when really reflecting, you discover his actions never match those words and are actually making you feel terribly. Do you respect this person? Probably not. These are all harsh truths that are not easy to digest. But once you can admit them to yourself, you will be able to accept that what is happening here is abuse. And abuse is the direct enemy of love. You aren't in love with this person. What you're actually in love with is the trauma bond, and it needs to go. Except, unlike love, you won't be able to just wish it away and move on and fall in love with someone new. If you did this, you would only be moving on to a new trauma bond with someone new. To truly save yourself, you must break the bond and take the time you need to heal from it before moving on. Be willing to confront your own denial. Your decisions to live in reality must be conscious decisions, including a reflection on your current situation, the recent past, and any illusions that you've created to soften the blow of this painful experience. What lies have you told yourself? I can't say this enough. Write things down. Write them down, write it all down. Read them and reread them. Reflect on them and make notes next to them if you need to. Write down things that have happened and how they made you feel, how you justified them. When you reread them, mark notes next to them where they factually backed up excuses, where they lies that you told yourself. Was it wishful thinking? Were you trying to hold on to a false hope? If your notes continue to reinforce you staying in this situation, then come back and reread them and make more notes at a later time. Keep doing this until you're confident that you're having a truthful conversation with yourself about what you're thinking and how things are, how things are affecting you or how you're seeing things. How will you know when your conversations with yourself are truthful? Well, when you're able to process the truth of how you're affected by what is happening right now versus the hope that things will one day affect you in a different way. So listen to that again. You must be able to process the truth about how you're being affected by things right now rather than your hope of how they may be sometime in the future. Denial is part of the bond. But if you've made it this far, that denial is fading or is gone altogether. And you are well on your way to making the choices that will once and for all rescue you from this cycle of abuse, 
break down the remainder of that trauma bond and restore your faith in yourself, allowing you to heal and move on and find your real true love scenario. You've got this. I believe you. Do you feel like you've made it to a good place in your recovery? And maybe you could share your story with others to give them some hope that things will improve? Or maybe even some support in knowing that they aren't the only ones who've been through something similar. You can send in your survivor stories to ibelieveyourabuse at gmail.com. And it may be discussed on the show or posted in a support forum on the website to help out other survivors. Visit our website, ibelieveyourabuse.com, and you'll also find a shop link that leads to some great t-shirts that help spread awareness of narcissistic abuse. Think about it. Many people have not even heard of narcissistic abuse. Putting facts or information on your shirt where it can be seen by so many, it catches their attention, introducing them to the terminology. It gives people something to think about, something to look up, something to research, something to be aware of should they ever need to put the puzzle pieces together in their own lives or maybe help out a friend. What a great way to get some knowledge out there. So go check it out and let's all do our part to keep this network of survivors growing.